Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me to 2 Timothy, if you would. Hallelujah. Now, for all you students that were here Monday, I did wear my watch, so I know what time it is. Hallelujah. I, uh, there, there, have been, there have been times that uh, I didn't wear my watch. I have a clock here. Uh, but in an attempt to help me uh, set the clock, somebody froze it up. So if, if I go by that clock, it never changes. So I have a lot of time. <laughs> but then I look at my watch and I realize I'm, I still have a lot of time. Second Timothy 3 and verse 13. We began last week with this subject, continue in the truth. Continue in the truth. Verse 13 of 2 Timothy 3 tells Timothy, But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Notice, But continue thou in the things that you have learned, and has been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them. So notice what Paul says. He says, Timothy, look, there things are... When it says evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, they'll go from bad to worse. And they're going to be led astray and they're going to lead people astray. He says, here's your job. Stay with the things you've been taught. Amen. Amen. He states the key to victory is continuing in what you've learned. All right? That word continue, it means to remain or to stay or to be present. To stay, to remain, to be present. So he's saying, what you've learned, stay there. Be present in what you've learned. All right? Listen, I'll make this statement, and I may make it a couple times throughout this message. Ever what goes on in the world, it doesn't change what we've got to do. That was a little weak. But whatever goes on in the world doesn't change what we've got to do. Right? Let let me say this. Whoever ends up being the next leader, your leader hasn't changed. Jesus is your leader. We're citizens of the kingdom. We're natural citizens of a nation, but citizenship in the kingdom trumps citizenship in America. We're not dependent on anybody for our victory. The victory's already been won by Jesus Christ and given to us. Amen. So that's why Jesus said over and over again in Matthew 24, when you see things happening that you don't understand, see to it that you're not troubled. You see to it. Right? So I'm telling you today, you see to it that you're not frustrated. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Paul said... 
when you see things happening, going from bad to worse, he said, you stay with what you learn. Am I helping you? Why? Because the enemy will try to distract you with things you can't change. And here's the thing. There are things I can't control in the natural, but what I can control is where I choose to remain. I can choose what I choose to, I can choose what I decide to continue in. Amen. What, what, what are you going to do? We're just going to act like the word's true. We're just going to believe God and stay in faith and walk in love and have victory. Amen. Folks, listen, one of these days, every one of us are going to stand in the company of men like the Apostle Paul who didn't back down in the face of anything. I'm not going to get up there and stand in that mighty company. Hallelujah. I'm not going to do that. Them say, how'd you handle things? Well, you know, things kind of went south and I got worried. No, I'm not going to do that. Say it out loud. I don't worry. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor if you're comfortable telling them. I don't worry. Now people say that's impossible. No, it's not impossible because Jesus told you not to. And Paul said don't. So it's possible because the Bible tells us not to. But I've got to continue in that. What we have to be focused on is what God has said. Right? Paul states, no matter what's going on, stay with, continue in the things you've learned. See, no matter what happens in the world, it doesn't change what we've got to do. It doesn't change the call. If you have a personal call on your life, it doesn't change the ministry call on your life. It doesn't change what God's called churches to do. It doesn't change what God has called ministries to do. It has to be done. A large part of continuing in the truth is this, making sure that no promise that God has made to me from the Word goes unfulfilled in my life. Making sure that no promise that God has made to me from His Word goes unfulfilled in my life. In 2 Peter chapter 1, you know, the Lord told us in the very beginning of this year what to do. He said, those that stand for on the Word and for the principles in my Word will experience victory. That's what He said. And He said, there will come an even greater divide, if you can imagine, between what is right and what's wrong as the world continues to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And He said, but for those that stand for my Word, they'll see a manifestation of the Word in their life like never before. That's what He said. And so I keep going back to that. This is what God said. And so we stay with what God said. He said to us not too long ago, He said, pay no attention to the little yapping dogs. He said, because the lion's about to roar, and when the lion roars, they're going to scatter. Now people say, what does that mean? I don't know everything that it means, but I know He said the things that are trying to get your attention that the lion's about to roar, and when he does, they're going to be silenced. He said, you'll listen for them, and you won't hear them, and you'll look for them, but you won't find them. 
And at the end of that word, he said this. He said, victory approaches. The lion's about to roar. Hallelujah. Now, I don't try to read in what does that mean. I don't know. There's a lot of things that people have said about the season that we're in. I'm not saying they're wrong. It didn't bear witness with me. But that's, listen, that's between them and God, and I could be wrong. But here's the point. Whatever happens when I wake up tomorrow, it is still the day the Lord has made, and I still have a responsibility to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Because you're not bowing, right? You're not going to bow. When, when the three Hebrew children stood before Nebuchadnezzar, remember he had already made the decree. This, this is where I think a lot of people don't preach on this. He had already made the decree. The decree had went out throughout the province and said, we're going to put up this, this statue, and when you hear all these flutes and music, musical instruments playing, you bow down at that moment. And it was already a decree. Whoever don't bow will be that same hour put in a fiery furnace. Right? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, went to that meeting knowing what was said. And when the music played, everybody bowed but them. And they knew what had been decreed. And then the king said, oh, now I'm mad. And he brought them in, remember? And he said, I'm going to give you another chance. When the music plays, you bow. And they said, wait, 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 wait a minute, king, we're not careful to answer you here. In other words, we don't need to think. We don't need a minute. I mean, we respect you, we honor you, but understand something. The God we serve is able to deliver us out of your hand. Right? Now that's shouting ground. But then they said, but king, understand something. If we don't come out of this fire... Even if you go ahead and follow through with the threat, we're not bowing. So you got two options here, king. Let us go or put us in the fire because we're not bowing. That's continuing in what you know. I'm not changing what I know to be truth because outside circumstances change. When you go to the doctor, you don't change the fact that you believe you're healed because you get a bad report. You don't change. Because you're not healed because they said you don't have anything. You're healed because God said you were healed. You did not get healed when you felt better. You were healed over 2,000 years ago. You just walked into it last week. But you were already healed. Is that right? So what God said is what God said, and your job stay with that. Amen. Yeah, but it just frustrates me. Don't let it frustrate you. When something frustrates you, it's you taking the care of it on you. Oh, that's good preaching. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So notice that grace and peace are multiplied how? Through the knowledge of the Father God and Jesus our Lord. The word knowledge here 
means precise and correct knowledge. It's the Greek word epigenosis, epigenosis, all right? And, and, and because he uses the word epigenosis, gnosis is just knowledge. Epigenosis is precise and correct knowledge. Precise and correct knowledge. So notice, he says that this grace and peace is multiplied when we have precise and correct knowledge of two individuals, the Father and the Lord Jesus. All right? We will only receive precise and correct knowledge of the Father and the Lord Jesus from the Word. You, you get your understanding of God from the Word. And, and here's why. Experience is not precise and correct. Unless it's experience governed by the Word. Well, I knew so-and-so, and they this. No, 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 that's experience. People's experience vary. You stay with the Word. Yeah, but so-and-so said this and it didn't happen. People can miss it. This can't. Amen. I said people can miss it. The word can't. Peter, remember what Peter said? He said we were in the mount with Jesus when we heard the voice from heaven that said this is my beloved son. Hear him. And then talking about the word... Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. But they heard the audible voice of God. And Peter said the word was more sure. Why? Because people hear voices all the time. And they're not always God. But this is God always speaking to me. My Bible is God speaking to me. Because this is what God spoke and what the Holy Ghost recorded that I needed to hear. If you never heard a voice, if you never had any other impression or leading, the Word is enough. If I just do what the Word says, I'll be in perfect line with God's will. Amen. Do you see this? Verse 3. Notice. According as His divine power hath, important word, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge. Now remember, grace and peace are multiplied through the knowledge. And he says this, life and godliness, these things that pertain unto life and godliness, come through the knowledge of Him that's called us to glory and virtue. That's how they come. Now, this is important. He's given us all things that pertain, the word pertain means with regard or in regards to life. First of all, this is very important because that word life there is the word zoe. All right, Zoe. It, it, we could say, well, you know, that's the God kind of life. It is, but when you look at it in the Greek, it means this, absolute fullness of life. Absolute fullness of life. He's given unto us all things 
that pertain unto absolute fullness of life. Now those things have already been given. Amen. Well, Pastor, you know, I, I don't see that I'm living in that absolute fullness of life. I know that's why we're preaching it. Because we want to get into it. Right? I, I'm not living in the absolute fullness that God's called us to live in. But boy, we're working hard on it. Amen? And notice how he says this comes. It comes through the knowledge. He said it is through the knowledge of Him that's called us to glory and virtue. All things that pertain unto life, absolute fullness of life, and godliness. The word godliness in the Greek just means holiness. So that, what does that mean? It, it's not hard to live holy because I've been given everything I need to live holy. Amen. T -t Tell your neighbor, it's not hard to live holy because I've been given everything I need to live holy. Glory to God. So we've been given all that we need with regards to living absolute fullness of life in holiness. Now, now why is that important? Because this is in the Word. So when a person starts saying there's something they need that they don't have, they're saying this is incorrect. When someone's always putting off into the future, what God, God's going to do this, God's going to heal me, God will bless me, God's going to do this, he says all those promises have already been given. Is that right? What is faith? The substance, the grounds, the conviction, the title deed, the assurance of what? Things hoped for. Something you have a picture of. Right? Is that right? The evidence of things that are seen. Oh, no, no, no. Not seen. So when you have faith, you have evidence of what you can't see. How does faith come? By hearing the Word of God. What did the Word just tell you? That God has already given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So have you been given them? Yes. What's that? Yes. You have been. Why? Because the word says you have. Right? right? Well, well, I don't know that I necessarily see that yet. Well, listen, faith hasn't come concerning that yet. But how does faith start coming? By you saying, okay, I see it in the word that settles it, I take it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but I don't feel like I have faith about it yet. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is an assurance. You will never feel like you have faith. But you will know that you have faith. Why? Because I'll be sure. Uh, I said I'll be sure. Right? Have you ever been driving somewhere with somebody and they don't know where they're at, but you know where you're at? And they look at you and go, you know where we're going? Oh, yeah. You sure? Uh-huh. And sure enough, you arrive there and they go, well, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. Oh, I... I wasn't sure about, but you had faith, not because you felt it. I know how to get to my house from here. I don't feel like I know. I know. 
And I don't feel any better the closer I get. I just know. I know that I'm going to start here and end up there. Whatever I face in between doesn't change where I'm going or what I've been promised. I may have to make a stop here, a stop there. I may get slowed down. I may face a challenge. But I'm still going to get where God said I would be because He's already given me the promise. He's already given it to me. Glory be to God. So, so I'm not trying to get it. I have it. Amen. Oh, glory. So verse 4 says, whereby. Now, you know, we don't use the word whereby much. I would never come up to this brother and go, now, whereby. He'd go, huh, by what? Where, who, and he bought what? No, whereby, it means this is the means. This is how. All right? Well, well, remember, the knowledge of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is how all these things come. So we can say it's through this knowledge that that is given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. That by these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, don't miss this. Because he says, and whereby are given unto us exceeding great. Now, don't read it like a lot of people do. Yeah, exceeding great. No, it's not what it means. Exceeding great. In other words, there are great promises. The promises we've been by, given by God exceed great. They go beyond great. Mm. You know, if you ask somebody, how are you doing? They go, oh, great. Well, you know, for us, that's about as good as it gets. How'd so-and-so say they're doing? Said they're doing great. Oh, praise God, they're doing great. Praise God, that's all right. Zig Ziglar said, people would would say, how you doing, Zig? He'd say, well, super great, but I'll get better. (laughs) Amen. Well, the point is, exceeding great and precious promises. Well, now, don't forget now. He said, we have been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. What is that? Those exceeding great and precious promises. Now, have they been given or are they coming? They have been given. Remember what I said in the beginning? Part of continuing is making sure that not one promise that God has made to us in His Word goes unfulfilled. That's our job. So those promises that exceed great have been given to us. The word exceeding great, that phrase, it means just simply the greatest. So these promises that we have received exceed great. They're simply the greatest promises. And and they've been given. I said they've been given. Hallelujah. You know, somebody came up to me and gave me a $100 bill. And you saw them do it. And, and I said, you know, well, yeah, so-and-so is going to give me $100. You just saw him give it to me. It has been given. 
Right? If it's in my pocket, do I have possession of it? It has been given. Has, have those promises been given? So if they have been given, whose are they? I'm not trying to get it. I'm not just holding on. Right? Got a hole. Right? I'm not, folks, I'm not making fun. But I'm telling you, I've, I've heard people preach that way. You got to hold on. And some way, some kind of how, God will show up. God showed up in the person of Jesus over 2,000 years ago and gave unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Amen. Well, you know, we got to be like Jacob. We got to wrestle. No, we don't. We have a better covenant than Jacob had. We're not. Jacob was wrestling with Jesus to get something from Jesus. We don't have to wrestle with Jesus. We're seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. It says we can boldly enter the throne room and find help when we need it. Amen. It says our Father, it says if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Jesus said if you ask the Father anything in my name, He'll give it to you. It said there's nothing you can ask the Father in my name that He won't do for you. The Greek even says this way, if you ask the Father anything in my name and He doesn't have it, He'll make it. That's better than wrestling all night. You can't, you can't bring Old Testament theology and make it fit in New Testament theology. they are types and shadows that we need and you can't ever understand the new without the old and you can't understand the old without the new. But here's the point. The wrestling has been done. The work has been done. The rest started over 2,000 years ago and what we're to labor to enter into is the rest of the promises. Whew. Glory to God. Do you see this? We've been given these promises. Hallelujah. That pertain unto life. Notice something in John 10. It's a familiar scripture to those of us in our circles. And really anybody that believes God's good. And He is only good. So grateful. John 10 and 10. The thief comes not before to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. There's two things to see there. Is that first of all, Jesus is making a definite uh, uh, demarcation between him and the enemy. And, And when you read that, and, and, and you, you look at this in the Greek language, Jesus is emphatic here. And it's this, it's this way of presenting it. He's saying the thief comes. It's like he's pointing at the thief. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But then he's very emphatic. But I have come. In other words, the indication is I have nothing to do with that. This is why I came. Yeah. 
Don't ever blur those lines. When you do, you'll leave promises on the table. God has nothing to do with stealing, killing, and destroying. Nothing. The devil has nothing to do with life and life more abundantly. The devil can't bless you and God can't curse you. Amen. That word life. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's the word again, zoe, absolute fullness of life. And Jesus said he gave us this life more abundantly or exceeding abundantly. So the absolute fullness of life there is, we've already been given it. And Jesus said, I came to give you a life that exceeds that. (laughs) Think about that. If you've already got abundant life, he says, I came to give you more than that. Only God can give you more of what he's already given you. Because we look at it and we say, there's no way to get any more in. God goes, oh, I got a way. And he gives you more. As believers, we have access to this fullness of life through what? Salvation. The promises in the word. Salvation opens the door to this life. And the promises are how we walk it out and live in this fullness of life. We've been given promises. I like the word promises because when you look at it, the word promises means this, a self-committal. A self-committal. From who? The person that gave the promise. It means this in very simple terms. When God gave you a promise, he committed himself. When God made a promise in the word, somebody stands behind that promise. Him. So think about this. When God gave you a promise, He committed Himself. Remember the story? The farmer, it's his birthday, and the animals in the barnyard got together. And the chicken said, well, I'm going to give the farmer some eggs for his birthday. The cow said, I'm going to give him some milk. And he's going to need some bacon. And the pig spoke up and said, hey, you guys are asking for a commitment from me. (laughs) Committal. He committed himself. So think about this for a moment. When God said, I'm the Lord that heals you, he made a commitment to be your healer. When he said, with his stripes, you are healed. That's a self-committal. When he said, with his stripes you were healed, that's a self-committal. Every promise, every promise. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That's a self-committal by God. God's saying, I will bless you. I will keep you. When David said in the book of Psalms, he said, I have been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. That's not just a cute statement. That's not something that you, that, that, that you just decoupage and put up over your bed. I don't know if anybody even remembers decoupage. Amen. But the point is, what I'm trying to make, the point is, that's a promise. No matter how long I live on this earth, no matter what comes or what goes, I will never see the righteous forsaken. 
And the righteous seed will never go without. Amen. That's a promise. And so God will begin to push people and and, uh, encourage them, if you will, to stretch their faith and to lift the limits. And the first thing that comes into people's mind is what they've got to do to make it happen. And they never take into consideration or factor in the exceeding great and precious promises that we've been given. If God says you're healed, you're healed. Because he's committed himself to it. Amen. You've got to put more faith in what God said he would do for you than the circumstances ability to stop God from doing what he said he would do for you. Because it can't stop him. You do understand that. There's nothing that God said he would do for you that can be stopped by anybody Anything, any circumstance, the only entity that can stop God from doing what He said He would do for you is you. And the only way you can stop it is not believe it. And people say, I believe everything God said. Wow, then you're entering into them exceeding great and precious promises. Amen. Do do you see this? Whew. God has committed himself. How do we know that? Because the promises have been given. God, if there ever comes out a Bible 2.0, don't you buy it. Because you can't improve on it. God's not updating the promises. Oh, here's Bible 2.0 with updated promises. And we've removed the ones that no longer apply. There is no promise that no longer applies. Amen. When he said, I will bless you and I will keep you. He'll bless you and he'll keep you. Notice there's no, there's no, there's no uh, caveat there. I'll bless you as long as everything's going good. And I'll keep you as long as all the circumstances are satisfactory. Mm. Blessing and keeping wouldn't mean that much then. If there's never anything you need to be kept from, what good's the promise? If there's never a need for a blessing, what's the, prom- what's the good of the promise? No. God's, <laughs> God's saying in the middle of what you're dealing with or what the world's dealing with, I will bless you. And I will keep you. And I'm committing myself to that. Amen. Do you see this? So God's not going to promise. He has promised. When, when someone says, well, you know, I believe God will, it's evident that they don't understand the nature of God's promises. Anything that's happened to you, blessing, healing, victory, it was something that was already yours and something you moved into. Faith is always when? Now. You always keep faith in the now. When the woman with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5, when the woman with the issue of blood 
made the statement. She heard of Jesus and she said, if I can touch his clothes, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. She didn't say, sometime I'll be better or I'll get better. She said, when I touch him, I'll be whole. Don't ever put faith off into the future. Well, I believe God will. Mm. That's not faith. I'm healed now. I'm blessed now. I'm victory. I have victory now. Everything's going my way now. No weapon formed against me will prosper now. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, he will condemn it now. Right now. The anointing right now is removing burdens and destroying yokes right now. Why? Because that's the promise. That's the promise I have from God. He is my good shepherd now. He makes my cup run over now. He leads me beside still waters now. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies now. Right now. I'm at the table right now. I'm partaking of the promises right now. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. Where? In the presence of my enemies. And the enemy is just going to sit around and watch you eat. There's nothing he can do about it. Just stay at the table. Amen. He is my shepherd now. I shall not want now. Is that a promise? It's been given to me. God has committed himself to it. Whew. Do you see that? My job as a believer, our job as believers, is to be certain that not one of these exceeding great precious promises go unfulfilled in our lives. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. This is important. You know, when Jesus made the statement, He said, if you don't humble yourself, faith requires humility. You won't find faith and arrogance. If somebody preaches on faith and they sound arrogant, they don't know faith. Now don't misunderstand arrogance. Surety and and confidence is not arrogance. But here's the point. Jesus said, unless you humble yourself and become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the kingdom of heaven is not the place heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the system. And he said there's a way to get into that system. You've got to humble yourself and become as a little child. Here's something I've, I've learned. Because I, I, I raised four from little children and I have a little child at home now. I laughed the day we were picking Lily up from school and, uh, and you know, pe- people, they, 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 one of the teachers was bringing her to the car and she, we had not met her before and she opened the door and, she, and, and it's funny because she goes, oh, are you guys, um, 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 I'm like mom and dad. Now you, you understand, you know the scenario, we, we, we adopted her. But, but here's the point. I looked at my wife and I said, I'm just going to start saying, yeah, I'm, I'm Abraphil. And this is Michelle Sarai. Amen. But hallelujah. Anyway, the point, the point is, 
So I got a little child. You know, she's never gotten up in the morning worried because she wakes up in Poppy's house. She looks around her room at the multitude of toys. Somebody came over to visit us the other day and they went in her room and they went, oh. I said, I know, I told you. She's never come to the breakfast table, lunch table, dinner table. Oh, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, but that's in the Bible. Yeah, but it's not a New Testament prayer. The New Testament prayer is, My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. I already have everything I need that pertains to life and godliness. She's never done that. She, right? Why? Because she's a little child. And she realizes, I have a poppy and a mommy that are taking care of me. You are, at, you are above all else God's child. And he said, I will take care of you. Humble yourself and receive that self-committal from God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. Let us therefore fear. Huh? Let us therefore fear. Lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now this phrase, let us fear. Now, it's a phrase in the Greek that we're told means it's not just a statement or a suggestion, it's a command. Now, I've heard people say, you're not once told in the Bible, commanded to fear. Yes, we are, right here. It's a command. He's saying, now, now this is important, stay with me. Not entering into rest is the only thing other than God Himself that God has commanded us to fear. Now remember, he's, notice what He said. If therefore being a promise left of entering into His rest. Now His rest is the rest of Jesus Christ. The rest of the Father from the foundation of the world. How do we enter into that rest? Exceeding great and precious promises. And he said, we should be on the guard, we should be wary that not one of those promises is left unfulfilled. He says, be watching for that. Amen. Not entering into rest. Those who will not enter into the rest of God end up like the generation that died in the wilderness. They would not enter into the rest of the promises of God. Remember, uh, 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 God made Abraham promise 430 years before the people came out of bondage. He said, your people are going to go into bondage. They're going to serve uh, a people that will oppress them and abuse them. He said, but I will deliver them and I will bring bring them into this land. I will give them this land for an inheritance. Is that what he said? Was that a promise? Right? And Moses went and, and went in the name of, 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 of the I am and delivered him. Brought him out of bondage. Right? And, and they get to the Red Sea and immediately 
they forget the promise. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Yeah, there were too many. That's why God delivered you. But, 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 but they're just a day or so out of bondage. And they're already saying, we, we need to go back. Need to go back. Right? You remember the story? Moses, through the power of God, split the Red Sea. They went over. They got over on dry ground. Now, they weren't shouting and rejoicing before the sea opened. That's evident they weren't in faith. Faith rejoices before it sees the victory. But when they got over on the other side and they could see the corpses of the Egyptians washing up on the other side of the, of the Red Sea, they started shouting. I mean, they got tambourines down and went out. They, they were going. Right? Hmm. The very next day. We don't have no water. Brought us out here to die. Here's a, a rock that followed them around. God said, smite the rock. Moses smote the rock. And rivers went into the, into the desert. Oh, as they're drinking their fill. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Right? Two days later. Would to God we were back in Egypt by the flesh pots with the leeks and the garlics. My Lord. Told you we didn't want to come out here. We told you. Right? Okay, here's what I'll do. I'll send quail that fly a foot off the ground. Right? And, 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 and the percentages was that there was enough quail that every man would receive a 55-gallon drum full of his own. There were only about 3 million Israelites. That's a lot of birds. Right? So he sent quail. And then he said, and tomorrow morning, there's going to be manna's going to come. Angel food. The Bible says men ate angels' food. Oh, glory. They're eating quail. They're eating manna. God says, okay, now Moses, come up on the mountain. I want to give you the law, remember? Now I'm going through this for a reason. He's up on the mountain. He's there for a few days. And here they come. I don't know what happened to this guy, Moses. But Aaron, you need to make us a God so we can go back to Egypt. And, and what's even worse is Aaron did it. And he made him a God. And then he said, sanctify yourselves because tomorrow we're going to have a party. And, and they were having a drunken party. And Joshua's up there on the mountain with Moses and God said, get down because the people have committed a sin. And he's walking up to Joshua and Joshua goes, there's a sound of war in the camp. Moses goes, that's not war, Joshua. That's sin. And right there, there's where the pastors I grew up under would say, there's sin in the camp. Anyway, that's not what we're preaching on. Here's my point that I'm making. Each step along the way, they refused to enter into the promise. At any point, they could have said, I know it looks this way, but God said we're going to the promised land. And we're going to the promised land. They would not enter in. And the Bible says that generation fell in the desert because of their unbelief in what? The promises that God made. That whole generation, millions of people died without ever seeing the promise of God fulfilled in their life. And it was their own fault. 
they wouldn't move into it. God is never the reason something didn't happen in your life. He's never the reason something bad happened. He's only the reason something good happened. If I don't receive the good, it's because I didn't receive it. If the bad happens, I open the door. That's a lot of responsibility on me. It's what the Bible says. Amen. Am I helping you? Let me, let me hurry. Not trusting in God's promises will guarantee failure in our lives. When we refuse to trust God's promises, we push God to the side and decide to handle our own lives. You got to trust God's promises. I remember the day I told him, Lord, I'm not smart enough to do all this. Amen. I had a person tell me one time, you know what you said? We know that was God because you're not smart enough to say that. <laughs> well, thank you. He did call the morons of this world to confound them that are wise. So consider yourself confounded. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 For unto us was the gospel preached Now people say But the gospel wasn't preached then Yes it was The promises of God were preached to the Israelites And it says it was preached to us As well as unto them But the word preached the, When it says the word preached The hearing of the word The word of hearing Did not profit them Is it possible for someone to hear the word and them get no profit out of it. Yes. Why? Because he says this. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So a lack of promises was never the problem. It was their lack of faith in the promises that God made to them. The Bible, <clears throat> I'm told in the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises amen and most people you know of cannot come up with more than 10 things they need a promise for but God gave over 7,000 so that means there's unlimited promises to enter into right but think about this it wasn't mixed with faith you know, you can go and buy a bag of concrete, right? Ready mix or whatever they call it. But that's the key word, ready mix. You got to mix it with something. I mean, to do real concrete, you got to mix it with water and sand. Is that right? I know that's an oversimplification. But you, you can walk in a barn and have 7,000 bags of concrete. And it's doing no good if it's not mixed with something. You can quote every promise in the Word. You can know every promise in the Word. You can memorize every promise in the Word. And if you never mix faith with it, you'll never enter into it. we got to move away from what we think's funny. We're talking about how broke you are. How you don't have no money. Ha, ha, ha. That's not funny. That's why you're broke. 
That's why you're struggling financially. Because you've entered into the lie that you can't succeed. Who told you you were on a limited income? Who said you can only have so much? I don't read that in the Word. He said, whatever need comes, I will supply it. Is that what he said? I'm, I'm not being hard. I'm, try, I'm trying to tell you, well, you know, at my age, ha, ha, ha. That's not funny. You're talking yourself into an early grave. You're killing your body. You're degenerating your bones. You're killing your organs. You're mixing something with faith. But I don't have faith I'm sick. But if you keep saying how sick you are, your spirit doesn't know. You don't want that. Your words are mixing in your heart. And when you say, I'm sick, I'm broke, I'm old, I'm this, I'm that. The combustion chamber is working. And it's trying to produce that. That's what happened to the children of Israel. They said, we're never going to make it. We're going to die in the wilderness. And finally God came and told Moses, you tell them. You tell them that as they've spoken, I heard it. And that's what's going to happen to them. After 40 years, he finally said, okay, they want it, they're going to get it. And they died in the wilderness. Am I, am I making sense? Hallelujah. If you take a car and you fill the tank full of fuel, right? And, and you turn the ignition on. <clears throat> when you apply pressure to the accelerator, that fuel comes out of that tank through the fuel line and it enters into the carburetor. Where what happens? Combustion. And combustion produces what? The force of torque. Propulsion, right? And, and it goes to the drivetrain. And it propels that, mo that, that car. Well, think about this. If you drained... Well, you don't even have to drain it. If you filled half your tank with water... Now, we know that's silly. But you know what? The car's going to try to combust that. Because that's what it does. It won't work. But it will take that water-fuel mixture into the carburetor and attempt to produce combustion. Won't it? Your heart is the combustion chamber of your life. Whatever you put in your ears or speak out of your mouth, your spirit, your heart grabs it and attempts to make it work. Amen. And that's why promises are left. Don't ever let it come out of your mouth that you're sick. Yeah, but I'm sick. What do you want me to say? I, I don't know. You're healed? How about that? Yeah, but I don't feel good. Feelings have nothing to do with it. Just because you feel sick doesn't mean you say you're sick. You say what you want because Jesus said you'd have what you say. So to replace what I feel with what I want, I got to say it. And when I say it, when I don't feel it, I'm just calling those things that be not as though they were. And I'm acting like God and God who has interposed himself with an oath and committed himself to the promise that he made will honor my faith and heal my body. Glory be to God. Do, do you see this? The word, the promises 
have to be mixed with faith. Where? In the heart. Amen. Those who believe enter into rest. Right? Because the Bible says there's what? There's joy and peace in believing. So when you believe, you enter into rest. Hallelujah. The purpose of entering into rest is so we can come through the test and arrive on the other side in victory. When people say, what are you doing today? Resting. Amen. Well, what do you think about everything's going on? I'm, I'm resting. Yeah, but there's no but. You're resting or you're not. You know, sleep or you're not. Nobody in here is asleep. Think. You're here or you're not. Right? You're in faith or you're not. You're at rest or you're not. If you're at rest, you're not worried. If you're worried, you're not at rest. Well, how can you help but worry? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I guess just like Jesus said, just don't. Let me ask something. Why are you worried? Why would a person be worried? Well, look at everything that's happening. Right. But didn't Jesus say, when you see everything that's happening, you see to it that you're not dismayed? Is that what he said? The, the Apostle Paul said, what did he say? He said, when, when those thoughts, when those things come, he not only said casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, he said also that you were to think on things that were good and pure and just and holy and praiseworthy and thanksworthy. If there's any virtue and there's any praise, think on these things. And he said over and over and over again, not to worry, not to carry care. Why? Because that eliminates faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I just thought, now hang on. Think about this for a moment. If something, if, if a change in circumstance can produce worry, what were you depending on? Well, I was believing God to meet all my needs, but I didn't get the raise. And, and so you were dependent on the raise. Amen. Well, I was just believing this was the rebirth of our nation. And, and what? And, and what? Say the rest of it. Now you don't think so? Why don't you think so? What changed your mind? Well, I thought God said. You thought God said or you know God said? Don't tell me what you think. Tell me what you know. Tell me what the Word of God says. Tell me what you know the Word says. Amen. I've told people that before. They've said, well, this is what I think. I say, hey, I take my Bible and put it and I say, show me. Show me in the Word. I was meeting with a group of preachers one time, and they were talking a bunch of false doctrine and bringing people into false doctrine, and just it was, it was just ugly. 
And they kept saying, well, so-and-so says this, and so-and-so says that, and Reverend so-and-so says this. I stood up in that, that big room in front of all those preachers, and I took my Bible, and I slammed it down on the desk, on the table, and I said, show me. Show me in the Word. Don't tell me what so-and-so said. Don't tell me what you think. What does the Word say? Because this, this, this is what's important. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. This is any area. If you go to the doctor and you're walking in, praise God, I'm the healed of the Lord, and you're singing those David Engel songs, does anybody here know anything good about Jesus of Nazareth? Well, stand right up and tell the people what you know, right? And you go in there, hallelujah. How you doing, doc? Praise God. Hey, let's have a revival. Praise God. And the doctor looks very grim. Well, we ran the test. And you have such and such. Huh? I thought I was healed. What changed? What changed? The promise didn't change. God has committed himself. What changed? That person didn't enter into the promise. I had a preacher friend of mine one time tell me, you put too much pressure on people. No, I don't put pressure on anybody. I just tell you what the Word says. God said that you got to enter into the promise. Am I helping you? I'm almost done. Uh, hallelujah. Romans 8, Romans 8, 29. Because I, I need you to see this. I got about eight minutes anyway. Hallelujah. You know, that, that's important. Because, listen, and, and this is all I'm going to say about this. I promise you, if, 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 you, come, if you come back tonight or in other services, I'm not going to say anything because, because this, this is where we're at. People say, well, I voted right and I did the right thing. Okay, then there's no blood on your conscience, is there? If you voted according to what you know the Word of God said, and that's up to you folks. I told you from the beginning of this election season, this is not a partisan thing. It's not Republican and Democrat. This is a darkness and light issue. And I'm not saying the Democrats are darkness and the Republicans are light. I'm telling you that what we're seeing is a clash between darkness and light. In our nation right now, we're having a clash between good and evil. The enemy's trying to overcome and the forces of righteousness are standing against it. And I'm going to tell you something, and you do whatever you need to do with it. Ever who becomes your president, you still got to pray for him. And you got to pray for him in faith, and you got to pray for him in love. Because the Bible said that's how you'll lead a quiet and peaceable life, in all godliness and honesty. And so you don't get to pray real good and hard for the Democrat president, and when the Republican gets in, well, we're not going to pray for him, or vice versa. You don't get to pray for the black man real hard and the white man you're not going to pray for or vice versa. The Bible says if they're a leader, you pray for them. My point that I'm making, you can't, you can't pray in faith about anything worried and concerned and angry. Here's what I know. Tomorrow the sun will come up. The sky will be blue and the birds will sing. 
and I will be found rejoicing because another day has been given to me by God Almighty. And he said, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving. I will enter into his courts with praise because this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. David said, my soul will rejoice in you. Why are you cast down? Why are you downtrodden? Hope thou in God. He's the one that can turn things around. God's the hope of our salvation. Amen. And you got to mix faith with that. Amen. Romans 8 and 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestinated, he called. And whom he called, he justified. Excuse me. And whom he justified, he glorified. What shall we then say to these things? What things? The fact that we have been foreknown, predestined to be conformed to the image of God, that we have been called, that we have been justified, and we have been glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You got to enter into that. I'm called, glorified, and justified. I am predestinated and foreknown to be conformed to the image of God's dear Son. If God's for me, who can be against me? Is that right? There's no need that we can encounter that God hasn't already known about and prepared for. People say, well, this didn't take God by surprise. And what they mean is that somehow he's got a, he's got a plan or that, that he's a part of it. No, if it didn't take God by surprise, he's got an answer. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape. Is that what he said? So ever what comes. He said, when the sword comes on the land, the righteous will escape. Amen. When, 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 when they tried to kill the righteous seed, God raised up righteous midwives that wouldn't comply with what Pharaoh wanted. When the, when the destruction came on the land of Egypt and the destroyer was passing through the land, the blood was on the doorpost. And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. The destroyer will pass over. Right now, everything that could happen bad is passing over your house. Every destructive measure is passing over your house. It won't touch you. It won't come near you. It will not affect you in the name of Jesus. Why? Be because I have a promise. Amen. No circumstance can stop the believer that understands that. Now, understand this. God became angry with the Israelites. Why? Because he had completed so much for them before the foundation of the world. You realize that? What grieves God's heart, why it grieves him when we don't walk in everything that he has for us, is because he's done so much. It's all there. He's not mad in the sense of he don't like you. It grieves him because it's all there. It's all there for us. It's available. We just got to walk into it. No matter what we face, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Isn't that what he said? 
That's, that's what Paul said in Romans 8 and verse 18. He said, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, the things that God is going to do for you, what you're facing right now, it's not even worthy to be compared. It's not even worth being mentioned in the same sentence. Amen. Look at verse 33 of Romans 8. I'm, I'm almost done. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now this is, this is a question. It is God that justifies. Now remember verse 30. Them he called, he justified. God is not accountable to anybody for what he did for you. That's what Paul says. He says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. So you can look at me and think whatever you want to think. It's God that did it. Right? Who is he that condemns or judges guilty or brings a, a guilty charge? It's Christ that died. So God justified me. Christ died for me. That is risen again even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, it means trouble, or distress, or persecution, pressure, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it's written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long, we're accounted as sheep for the slaughter? No. Paul says no. In other words, that's what the world might be saying. Boy, you're really going through it. Boy, you're going to fall apart. No, no. No, in all these things, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, I am more than a conqueror. Right? Through how? Him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, we could say, nor political powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature is able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No one or anything can stand against, condemn, or separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Can't do it. That doesn't mean the love of God just where heaven's concerned and not going to hell. It means the Bible says that the ones God loves, God blesses, God provides for, God makes a way. Nothing can separate me from the promise of God. Nothing. No matter what we face on earth, God's already made provision. My job's continuing what He promised. Amen. Yeah, but you just don't know how it's going to end up. Yes, I do. The Word tells us. Think about that. The Word tells us. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy's coming in the morning. Yeah, but that's Old Testament. I know, isn't it great that even in the Old Testament, we got a promise. I just don't know what's the matter with people. I'll tell you what's the matter with people. They're sinners. What's the matter with people? Folks, don't, don't overcomplicate this. Keep the main thing the main thing. You keep going back to what did the Word say. And that's it. That's where you settle it. 
Yeah, but what if they do this or what if they do that? It doesn't change anything. The enemy will try to get you worried. He'll try to get you frustrated. He'll try to get you antsy. He'll try to get you uh, uh, trying to forecast things. Remember what Jesus said? Take no thought for tomorrow because sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Tomorrow's going to have its own set of issues. Don't worry about it. Just get up and face it in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's what I know. His truth is marching on. Amen. Are you following me? And I'll, I'll finish with this. And don't get into speculation. I've heard a lot of people say things in this season we're in. I'm going to be very careful because I, I'm not speaking against anyone. But I've heard certain people say things. And they've made very certain statements. And I'm not saying they're wrong. It's not what I'm saying. But, but here's what I'm saying. When you start getting into speculation, you run the risk of bringing a blight on the body. If God didn't tell you, don't say it. And there are things that God tells you that He just tells you. Don't tell anybody else. There are things God has told me about this season, but He said to me after He said it, He said, say nothing before the time. I don't care if people think I'm so accurate. I got a notebook full of things the Lord has spoke to me. I haven't told anybody. I'm not going to. Why? That was for me. Amen. Well, what, what if one of it don't happen? Then I missed it. But it didn't do damage to the body of Christ by jumping out there and saying a bunch of stuff. Are you following me? Don't speculate. What's, stay with the Word. I said stay with the Word. Right? That's like the dear brother that, that, that said Pope... The, what's the current pope's name, Francis, is the, 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 the false prophet. <laughs> well, it can't be. Because by the time the false prophet shows up, we're gone. What is that? Speculation. And he's somewhere close to his 90s now. What, what happens if he dies? Then what do you say to all those hundreds, maybe thousands of people that you told this is the false prophet? What then? He died. Stay with the word. What's the word say? You'll be safe. Amen. Stand on your feet, everyone. Hope you received today. I believe.